welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to episode 49 of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I am one of your high priests, Ray. And I am your other high priest, Connor, making out three of this fantastic three team this week as we are joined once again by Tommy, our man on the street. Hello, Tommy. Hi. And we are here to discuss the latest issue of uh, Max Bemis' latest Moon Knight 1, issue 196, as well as a nice flattering of news. So kick back, relax, and get your conchu on. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. Uh, This is Into the Night. And uh, yeah, we are edging uh, closer and closer towards the big half century, uh, episode 49. Right now, it's so good to have Tommy on board as well. Just been having a a little chat with Tommy uh, just in the prep to this show. Uh, But yeah, it's... um, it's been a uh, a pretty colourful week, but before um you know we can talk about that, uh, Tommy, how how are things going? I believe you are on a summer break. I am. Yeah, things are going really well. Just full time dad right now, and uh, trying to get in some reading whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the time of year for me when I can shamelessly bring my children to my local comic book store because during the work week, uh, you know, during the school year, it's a bit tough. Um, but, but now that we're in summer, we can kind of go at any time of the day and I can get my oldest son browsing some books and talking to my, uh, my buddies at the store. And so it's a lot of fun. So things are, are really great right now. And, um, look, I'm always shameless in wanting to give a good plug. Uh, we're talking about your local comic book store, Tommy, which you've mentioned previously in the past, Tardy's Corner. Is that correct? Yeah, Tardy's Collectors Corner. Collectors Corner, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, always, always happy. Uh, it's, Sorry. Yeah, always... It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great place, just kind of a local hole in the wall. It's not one of those fancy places, but uh, Gavin and Deanna do a fantastic job, and Abby there, who's their, uh, their helper in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, yeah. Um, I, it's... I, I, it's yeah what I want my kids to grow up with. So it's a great place. It's fantastic. Look, and, and I'll actually, I'll put it out there um, to yourself, Tommy, and to uh, my intrepid co-host, Connor Shu. Uh, we've asked this on a, a couple of our Isla Ra interviews, uh, starting to implement it as one of the standard questions. Uh, Tommy, I'd like to um, just start off with you first. Could you maybe give us a, a brief description of of, uh, of Tardy's Collector's Corner, kind of as you walk in the door? What, what's the layout like? What is is it a huge store? Are there long boxes? Um, are there nice corners, you know, for, for figures and stuff? Uh, how, how's it kind of look? Yeah, so... Uh, Tardy's is, is really a hole in the wall. It's in this, uh, tiny local strip mall, um, in the middle of our city, Mm -hmm. which is, is mostly residential. So we've got a lot of block housing. Um, and then, you know, at intersections, we have these small, uh, kind of strip mall, like, uh, commercial centers. And, uh, so Tardy's shares a building with a local deli and, uh, like a, a lunch place. Mm-hmm. And they make euros and burgers, and so it always smells really great when you walk right into Tardy's. <laughs> uh, and then, so when you walk into Tardy's, and right when you walk in, they have supplies on the right. So if you need to buy bags and boards, things like that. But they also have kids' books right on the left. So okay. when my uh, little boys walk in, right into the store, 
they can find something that they want right away, which I know is a great sales technique, it but it's it's great because that's a good way to hook kids. kids you yeah. know? So you've got, hey, there's Spider-Man right there or there's Mouse Guard or um, yeah. you know, there's some Scooby-Doo comics or something like that. Uh, and then they've got a great toy uh, case where they have action figures um, from the last couple decades. And they've got the sales counter where usually Gavin or Deanna will be there greeting you with a smile. Um, is, and that, then, is that what, is that counter in the center of the the store? Or? No, it's it, so it's it's when you when you walk into the store, you actually when you walk into the building, you take a, a sharp right, and then as you take a sharp right, you then turn right into the sales counter. So ah, the rest okay. of the store is far off to your left. If you can kind of imagine what I'm I'm thinking, the sales counter is toward the front of the store, but the rest of the store shotguns back to the mm-hmm. the back of the building, um, and so past the the kid books there, they've got a lot of their um, Silver Age and Golden Age comics right up front. Um, they have extra variants right there on the counter. They have all their special editions and slabbed uh, issues along the back wall. Um, but then they also, uh, so Gavin, Deanna, and then Abby, who's one of their employees, um, usually once a month, but sometimes bi-monthly, they set up special um setups i guess or or displays you know maybe based on holidays uh so around saint patrick's day they did a little bit maybe like a green lantern theme Mm -hmm. um for you know the batman catwoman wedding they had more of a wedding theme um let's see what else they've done uh you know you you know with deadpool 2 coming out and then now ant-man and wasp they have an ant-man and wasp theme set up so it's really cool if you want to come in and you went on you're looking for a character based around a film that's coming out or a new series that's coming out. But they also do the same thing. They do uh, author and artist spotlights too. And oh, so they have separate displays for those. Um, but it's, it's a really crammed store. I mean, it's, it's like your old school comic book store that maybe some older listeners may have grown up with. You know, when I was a kid, I'm early thirties. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the type of store that I knew when I was a kid. Um, but I, you know, now we have in, in, at least in my part of the United States, we have some really fancy comic book stores because comics are kind of the thing, you know, comic action movies are kind of the thing. So you have these fancy places, but this is your old school gritty. We serve our customers. We know what our customers like. We're happy to serve our customers. Uh, we're not going to spend a bunch of money making the store look great. We just want you to come in here, have a good time, have good conversation, and get some good books. So they've got a great toy selection. They've got yeah. a great trade paperback selection. Uh, they cover um, Gavin's the big DC fan. You know, Deanna <laughs> loves Marvel. Uh, Abby's the big image fan, so oh, she wow. has a whole image shelf that she uh, coordinates. Um, they do pull and uh, pull and hold service. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, within the last six months have earned my place in like the special VIP center, uh, where I get to go straight to the back of the store and they have all my stuff right there. I don't have to wait in the line. It's, it's really cool. Oh, fantastic. Um, that's cool. Uh, but just, just, it's, you know, it's and lots of cool art on the walls. They're just, they, they love what they do yeah. and it's a great place to go hang for a few minutes. Cause that's, that's what I get every week is a couple minutes. I don't get much more. Um, but it's a, it's a cool place to go and just talk shop and uh escape you know for for a half hour or so so it's a it's a really cool place that's really cool it it does sound like a a really grassroots and uh and it's a particular i guess or almost a particular style in itself um and it's great to hear anyway that 
you know, you've got different a variety of stores because, as you say, there is a boom that's happened and largely thankful to the, the movies and the TV show. Um, comic books are now starting to draw in a few more interested people. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that sounds like a really, really cool store. Cool. And, uh, and Connor, how about your, um, your local comic book store? How does that kind of look and feel? Uh, yeah, pretty great. So, uh, it's a, about a street away from the uh, big CD, uh, CBD, so it's just a nice brisk walk from there. Mm-hmm. Um, you get in there, you got a, uh, I believe it's a Batman sort of cut out on the street telling you it's open, you can go in. <laughs> it's pretty nice. You get in there, you got the uh, counter on one side, you got just just a bunch of racks of shells you got your figures there some under the counter mm-hmm. and on that side on the uh, as you walk in on the left you've got all your trade paperbacks split into dc marvel image other mm-hmm. and then you've got all your back uh collections so they got a nice uh stock of all the new releases but you can still go out the back and find all your reprints of the big stories it's oh. awesome and then on the other side they've got a uh, so you got yeah you got the counter two lovely people there you got todd and his uh helper sometimes his family helps out there a bit as well sometimes he uh, puts up with all my strange demands from across <laughs> the companies uh and then from then from beside him they've uh, actually set up quite a new system you got yeah. a you got a the new releases the new number ones last last few weeks releases oh. you've got those nice true believers two dollar comics yes yeah uh you got the back issues bargain bin and then they've got a nice uh life-size Batman uh, out the back. So it's, it's pretty nice. It's small. It's quaint for our uh, mm-hmm. little Toowoomba. But, I mean, who knew Toowoomba would even have a comic shop? So, <laughs> are, are there many, are there many um, back issues to sift through? Like, can you spend a while just, like, flicking through the, the, the long boxes? or? Oh, not quite. But it's, no. it, it's, a, ni- it's a nice little, um, I don't know, little container there i'm yeah. always finding something there i found uh, all issues of redlands for like two bucks a pop oh lovely Pretty damn good yeah yeah I, I think one of the most important things and i think both of you have touched upon it as well is that if you get to know the staff and if they're if they're good and and they're passionate about what they do and they're friendly um that really makes a huge difference i mean uh similar case with with myself i mean my local comic book stores kings um on uh, in sydney and uh, yeah, the people over there are just great. Uh, always, always willing to have a, a bit of a chat. Um, what was the name of your comic book store, Connor? Oh yeah, sorry, it's Kaboom Comics. They have a Kaboom, yeah. Website as well. Yeah. Put the description, but yeah. I mean, I also shop at King's Comics. I yes. Won't lie. Bit of online back issuing. I meant to post it up, but a lovely Wayne there even drew me a, a conchu for me. Yeah. Out of the blue. I saw that, isn't he? He's such a um, he's such a character, <laughs> Wayne. Um, listeners will know Wayne from previous, I think all the way back, one of our early episodes, Wayne did a bare bones for us and he, um, produced a, a little, I guess they're little movies in themselves, little, uh, radio plays. And he's also a host of a podcast himself, Courtside Podcast, he's a, a huge NBA fan. Um, but yeah, oh, interesting, interesting stuff, Liz. Um, yeah, I just thought I'd just put it out there. I'm just very interested to see how the stores arrange stuff. It's interesting to hear, Connor, how you're saying the trades are at the front. Tommy, you're saying that the, the toys and the kids' stuff are at the front. Um, at King's, it's very much the figurines, I guess, at the front, um, the toys, and the trades are at the very back. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just find it interesting that um, what, I guess, how they want to approach 
um, consumers is, is an interesting thing. And it's an important thing to keep, to keep um, I mean, the comic book industry uh, is hard going at the moment. So you have to do many things to try and um, try and keep it fresh. Um, King's has a, uh, a rotating uh, front stand, um, which uh, has similar to, I guess what you're saying, Connor, has a flavour of of the month, you know, whether it be an upcoming Ant-Man movie, then it has a lot of Ant-Man and Wasp merch at the front. Um, they've moved the Valiant comic stands uh, a couple of locations, just trying to, I think that was, again, due to Wayne, trying to um, trying to promote Valiant a bit more. Um, but, yeah, because it, it, it really does make a difference where you do position it in the shop. But, um, yeah, sounds good, those, those local comic book stores. Um, Tommy, we were also talking about, uh, and, and bear with us, loony listeners, we are getting there. Just um, We were talking about Luke Cage earlier on, and you, um, you thoroughly enjoyed it. Don't worry, no spoilers here. And, Connor, I'm sure that um, you've, you've got some episodes to watch. But, oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> but, yeah, Luke Cage, Tommy, what did you think? Yeah, it was just, you know, I think the production quality was excellent. Um, mm. the, the narrative value was, I think, vastly improved over, I know many listeners would agree, Iron Fist, which was yeah. most recent compared to the first season of Luke Cage. Yeah. But even the first season of Luke Cage, which was very much, you know, origin and, yes. you know, trying to establish how Luke Cage comes out of Seagate, giving, uh, you know, an homage to the seventies look with the bracelets and the headband and, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the old school look. Um, but then also playing up the music in the first season and how much, uh, investment went into that. But I think just the, the second season, not only built upon the first season, not only built upon the defenders universe on Netflix, but they, they really did a fantastic job. I think Cho, uh, Hardari, Coker, I think is his name is the, the yep. executive producer, but the the writer of uh, the bulk of the show mm-hmm. really did an excellent job. I know Ray, you and I were talking about the uh, composers, the the, the, the musical yes. producers, um, uh, Ali Shamoon. Oh, here we go. Let me try to call up these <laughs> names. Um, yes. But Adrian Young and Ali Shahid Muhammad, um, they not only uh, produced the first season. Um, but they also produced the music for the second season too, and it was mm-hmm. just fantastic. The, 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 every single episode had a live music yeah. uh, performance, and each uh, of, from a different artist too. Yeah, so. and each of the performances were just brilliant, and, and they gave enough airtime to, to, for you to really kind of um, absorb the song and the, and the feel of the you know uh, of the music. It was it was really good. I thought the strengths definitely came from. Um, the the villains, I think Bushmaster and Mariah, I think uh, in particular, and I'm not spoiling anything, but like Mariah would have to have, for me, have shot up there as in one of the best uh, Marvel villains um, to date. Um, just so she she ramps it up from season one. Let's just say that, and uh, the whole dynamic of warring families, I found really good. Like it, it was so compelling. Um, because you you do know about the Stokes from season one, um, and then you have Bushmaster come in, um, and yeah, and even the family with with Luke Cage and his father, um, it was just it was just firing on all cylinders. And um, but yeah, the the biggest take back for me was uh, with the with the villains. I thought Alfred Woodard did a, a fantastic job, and 
man, she should be nominated for something, I think, because she was scary. She was just scary, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. And manipulative. Manipulative, and she, yeah. I mean, well, she made, I mean, but it's, this is this is the age of Thanos, though. This is you know we, yeah, true. we we need villains that are on the level of Thanos, and that's exactly what Black Mariah yeah. and Bushmaster as well brought to the table. These these are are villains that you can sympathize with and and perhaps even empathize with. Um, you know, it's just and that's what makes it so compelling. You know, we we, we get a little bit of that in in some other series, but I think especially with say Iron Fist, I think one of the drawbacks for that that series so far, season one, was just that the, the, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, he's one of the who's that? The defenders of the who's that? Uh, Sorry, tell me. Uh, he's the mentor of Colleen Wing. Oh, um, Bakudo. Yeah, Bakudo. Yeah. You know, like Bakudo and 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 many of the other villains that we've seen, like even Kingpin. You know, Kingpin. You know, is a badass. He was great. And, he was great. Yeah. And 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 uh, D'Onofrio brought a level of of gravity to him yep. that one could sympathize with. I think yes. to a certain degree. You know, he he expressed himself first as not necessarily a villain or a gangster, but as somebody that felt that he was doing the right thing. Mm. But Kingpin's the kingpin. He is. Yeah. Uh, you know, he he craves power. But where we have Black Mariah and Bushmaster this season in in Luke Cage, yeah. Um, wow, they were, and no spoilers, no. but both of them I feel were incredibly compelling. So they were, and, and actually, there were times I was thinking. Um, yeah, Mariah's out doing Kingpin here at the moment. You know, Kingpin's meant to be the top of the the crime. Um, but I think much of that had to do with there's just so much gangster in, in Luke Cage season two. Would you agree, Tommy? And, and I think that's really – I think Coca has really done a, a good job in showing us like, like, a, like a gang war. Uh, and I think that's what Kingpin lacked to a certain extent because in, in season one of Daredevil, he was – Basically, just by himself. Like there were, he he met up with Owsley and and um and Nobu and all that, but um it wasn't. You didn't know much about the other um crime lords, and so King Kingpin seemed to have just you know a stranglehold over them all. Uh, whereas just the the push and pull of um of these gang families in Luke Cage, uh, it really kind of fleshed out not all aspects of it, and I thought that was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And and that's you know that not that I can speak from experience, but that's in part and that's the the history of of Harlem too. Mm. You know, from the turn of the twentieth century throughout the twentieth century, but of uh, moving from a white controlled neighborhood to a black controlled neighborhood, not only in in regard to power, but also in regard to culture, in regard to mm. the arts. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something that Luke Cage the series. Uh, really plays on is this idea that Harlem is this resonant signal of the black identity, at least within, you know, say a 21st century America. Yeah. And I find that really inspiring, this idea that, and that's one of the reasons that like why Mariah is, is so compelling mm. is she's trying to maintain this, this one beacon or this one pillar of, yeah, very of, much so say black identity in the United States, which, you know, considering the climate that, I'm living in within the you know 21st century United States with our worthy president here, um, <laughs> but this idea that we have uh, a, a female 
who is defending a culture and showing the power of that culture and that it is worth knowing, it's worth uh, uh, recognizing, mm. um, I think is, is really inspiring. So th- I think that's, that's part of the, the really cool part of Luke Cage too is that you, know, you have two black individuals that for all intents and purposes – and here, recognizing I'm a white man talking about this, so forgive that. But here you have two black individuals that are trying to defend what they feel is right for yeah. their culture. Yeah. But they disagree on how they should do that. Yeah. And then, of course, by the end of Luke Cage Season 2, which I wish we could continue this conversation <laughs> without ruining anything. But, you know, we, know. we have... Yeah, right. So yeah, no, it's a it's a very a very good um, very good show. And look, just to finally add on that, sorry, Connor, I know that you haven't seen much of it, um, but you know, no, I'm really enjoying this. It's just getting me uh, more hyped to watch and making me feel bad. I um, have <laughs> oh, it, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, you know, if if for Luke Cage season one fell flat, this one for me, um, I don't know. Every episode was great. It had some great dialogue it had some great conversations but finally what i was about to say tommy was um apart from all those social implications apart from all the family dynamics as well you just have your your um dull down popcorn no nonsense beat em up and it's just fun to have luke against someone who's just as formidable as him i mean i know we saw that with diamondback um in season one but he was so corny in that outfit you have Bushmaster here who, I have to say, so I don't know, he's Jamaican, but he is just cool, you know? Um, and, yeah, he, he's got that kind of almost, I don't know, was it like a capoeira fighting style? Um, he's just as strong as Luke. It's it's really cool. So you get that kind of, that comic book aspect, you know, just the, you know, the dumb action, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, very much a... Um, and we actually we do see. Let me tie it in. We do see Mister Mister Cage in our latest issue that we're going to be reviewing yeah. uh, today as well. So uh, a little bit of a nod there. Hi, this is Dave, and I'm Stu, and we're from the Signal of Doom. We're proud members of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. <laughs> Uh, look, let's open it up. Before we get into Moon Knight news and the review, let's all open up just quickly. Uh, as always, we always ask, um, Connor, um, you've got a big pile of purchases there. What have you been reading lately? Oh, it has been a bloody fantastic week this week. I tell you what, I think, um, let me just pull up this hella good pull list. It's been a bloody good week, Comics actually. Yeah. 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 We had uh, Blackwood 2 from um, Darkness Comics, which is like a cool... Oh, magic school supernatural murder mystery. Mm. Like, really cool teen horror. Just fantastic. Um, Detective Comics had um, Brian Hill, which had Black Lightning joining the Bat Fam, and that was awesome. Kill and Kill Be Killed ended. Oh, the last one. So fantastically. Saga had its best issue in a while, I feel. Wow. Zadarsky's killing it. Marvel 2-in-1, Spectacular Spider-Man. We had uh, Miss Marvel, issue 31, a big... Big bloody um issue with you know G Willow Wilson people like Salon and Ahmed, mm-hmm. uh, Artis Duartes who name I f- uh, forget but does the best lockjaw. We had great number ones with the Sentry and um, mm-hmm. 
Multiple Man, yeah. Venom 3, <laughs> Bloody Thor 2. Yeah, yeah. You got them all. Yeah, just, oh, I was just reading them all yesterday. Awesome. One fantasy, just all of them I just... I was going to try and pick a top five, but yeah, yeah, it was also good. But I think a surprise of the week, actually. I'm not sure if anyone told this. I'll give a shout-out to Rick, I think. He was, ah. uh, he was uh, sending me um, horses' heads if I uh, didn't shout <laughs> this out. But the Rick Infinity Hall. Countdown, Dark Hawk has been, I guess, the Aye. dark horse of the season. It's uh, bloody... It's really good. Like, yeah? You know, awesome. Becca, DNA, um, you know, Abnett and Lanning, bloody... Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, Annihilation, this is like up there with that good stuff. So wow. if you haven't even heard of that in a bigger Marvel Cosmic fan, that's a that's that's high on the list for you to check out. Three uh, three out of the four issues are out. It's probably still at your uh, local. I think this is getting as much heat as it should be. Yeah. Do you have to know much about this whole Infinity Countdown thing to read the Dark Hawk Infinity Countdown? Oh, or not, is it... not really. Yeah. You can really just kind of jump in. I mean, there's okay. a few concepts, but these are pretty contained with just Dark Hawk bumming around the universe fighting off the raptors mm-hmm. fantastic fantastic that's uh, that's uh, that's probably what's kept you away from luke cage i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's bloody it sounds great yeah and it was a great week as well um tommy how about yourself i know that you have limited time uh we we, we discussed that shortly just before the show as well but did you manage to squeeze in anything uh apart from moon Knight, maybe Ah, but that's the thing. As a teacher on summer break, I have no concept of time. So I both have zero time, but I also have infinite time, right? <laughs> so I'll tell you this much. I, I haven't been keeping up with weeklies, mm-hmm. but uh, I will tell you that I, you know, I try to get in. I'm a Wednesday warrior. I try to get into tardies yeah. every Wednesday <laughs> and at least uh, uh, see everybody and, and, and pick up some issues. And then I try to read a couple at a time. So I'm going to give you the quick throwdown by publishers of what I've been reading. So yeah. here's Image Comics. I've, I've uh, Since coming into ITK, I've become a big Image fan. So I'm reading awesome. Isola, <laughs> The Dead Hand. Oh, Isola, uh, yes. Barrier, which is now finished and Ooh, was previously yeah. published. Mm-hmm. Gideon Falls, of course, mm-hmm. which we have news on that. Oblivion Song, uh, BKB. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shanghai Red. And then Dark Horse, Xerxes. Um, Boom Studios Archaia, uh, Labyrinth Coronation, because yes. uh, Jim Jim Henson's Labyrinth was my sister. My sister's in my favorite movie. Oh, cool! Uh, as children, and so this is uh, that's just kind of a, a bonding thing for us. She's not into comics at all, mm-hmm. um, but I I've been gifting her these comics once a month, and and that's been a lot of fun. Indoctrinating. Um, <laughs> right yeah uh dc uh my sister bought me um gotham by gaslight i had never read that before Ooh. but a few weeks ago yeah. i know y'all brought that up and i i've been meaning to get into that so i asked her for that she got that for me mm-hmm. um but of course miracle man all the batman all of it mm-hmm. um the <laughs> batman brave and the bold with wonder woman uh has been really great yeah um doomsday clock of course batman white knight which is just about wrapped up um and then Marvel, I did pick up Multiple Man, which was also yeah. a recommendation from you, Ray, because I know that several months ago you mentioned that Mad yeah. Rush was a favorite character of yours. Yeah. And so I, I decided I'll try it out. I really like the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, as we've spoken before, I grew up with X-Men. Yep. Uh, but the animated series, I never read too many X-Men comics. Yeah. So this might be, you know, this might be a new beginning. <laughs> um, of course, Sentry, I had to pick that up. Lemire, 
Um, yeah. We've got uh, uh, Black Panther, of course, Punisher, yeah, Moon Knight. And I'm looking forward to uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' um, Captain America number one coming out July 4th, which I'm really yeah. excited about. That, that's um, yeah. And I also, this week, um, got my signed Bill Shinkevich uh, issue of 188. Whoa. I splurged. I bought nice. it. Nice one. Um, I, an, another another loony posted a link about how Shinkevich art um, is is you know had these signed things going out, and I decided, look, I love that cover, uh, and I want the signature, so I, I splurged on that. That's so I'm really happy about that. Worthy. That is worthy. That's but yeah, otherwise, all the Batman, all the Batman. <laughs> you can just uh, yeah cover it all. With just I just got all the Batman. So I know there are a fair few titles out there, but that sounds good. I am very excited about your um Sinkevich's uh cover there uh comic there Tommy it's really it always uh my eyes always light up when I hear about loonies getting these uh acquiring these um editions they're so cool I mean I wish I could I could get them as well but I'm very happy that um the loonies there are keeping the moon knight flame alight it's really cool um yeah far out you've got such a disparate um collection there Tommy that's fantastic I, uh, yeah, it's really good to hear. I, uh, you know, a few of those things went over my head. <laughs> like, I, I'm very much painted in a Marvel slash Valiant corner. Um, yeah, Multiple Man. Look, yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's one of. Uh, he is. Yeah, you know, if I wouldn't be doing a Moon Knight podcast, I'd probably be doing one about Multiple Man. He's. Uh, he's. He's great. <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, I have to. I must say though. Uh, yeah, a little lukewarm, I thought, with a, with issue one. Um, look, hopefully, it picks up. Um, maybe it's. I'm not the biggest fan of the artwork there. I'm sorry to say, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll see how it goes. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, but see, but, Ray, yeah. that's how that's how everybody feels about the Bemis run of Moon Knight. But don't <laughs> no, worry, it'll get there. It'll get there. <laughs> it'll get there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I know. It's all we we love it. We love it. We're the shills. We love it. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's no. You're absolutely right. It, it's um. It's how the individual themselves kind of want to take on board the journey. Uh. Yeah. But you know, I'm definitely going to be picking up more of Multiple Man. Uh. It's only a five issue um series, which is a shame. Hopefully, there'll be enough interest in it to kick off something more. Um. Because he he's just an awesome character. Uh. And and apart from that, I've got Century. I haven't read that yet. Um. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Black I, yeah, it was it Did was you, good. Yeah, it was good. Was, I I, yeah. I liked that because my my only previous exposure to Sentry mm-hmm. was in the Age of Heroes. Okay, uh, you know, yes, yes, right. Vengeance yeah. of the Moon Knight. Yeah, Vengeance yeah, yeah. of the Moon Knight. Um, I I hadn't really known much about Sentry, and then you know he had his recent stint in Doctor Strange, which is what yeah. really brings about this series. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing that Lemire's on it, um, and I. We've spoken before. I'm not a big Superman fan. Right, yeah. I respect Superman. I respect everything that he represents. He is he's the superhero beyond Batman. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. for for the the culture of Marvel and DC Comics. But I just I don't like that invincible yeah. human. I like somebody that's flawed. Which hey, come on, Moon Knight, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so Sentry to me, it, from what I came into, was oh, this is Marvel's Superman. Just like mm-hmm. many people say that. Oh, Moon Knight is Marvel's Batman. So I decided, hey, you know what? I oh, love sorry, Moon Knight, Tommy, I and I stop, recognized. That... Sorry, Tommy, I have to stop you there. Um, Batman is Marvel's Moon Knight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What what I, what I mean though is that yeah. other people say this, right? Yeah, other oh, okay, people of course, say of course. This. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, but you know, I when I realized that, I thought, wait a minute, 
I love Moon Knight and I go against what, what so many people say. So why shouldn't I try Sentry out? Mm-hmm. And that, that was, you know, maybe a year or so ago when I know that uh, Ray, you and, and Connor, both of you, you know, spoke highly of Sentry in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. And so I was really excited about this issue a couple months ago when they announced it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I really enjoyed it. I like the idea that, hey, we have a truly troubled character cool. uh, that is, of course, written by Jeff Lemire. Yes. And this is also, this is the time because uh, in previews, uh, DC just released their preview for, uh, it's, it's not called Sanctuary, but it's Tom King's, um, it takes place in Sanctuary. I'm forgetting what it's called. I wish I had my previews catalog here. Right. But it's it's the new limited series by DC, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman start this secret hospital for villains and for heroes oh. um, that, that experience trouble. Originally, Tom King called it Sanctuary. Now, just the place is called Sanctuary, but it's 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 called something else. We should probably look it up online. Damn um, right. Because I'm blanking Here's on what a it's crisis? called. It, maybe it's here. Yeah, Heroes in Crisis or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, but anyways, my point is is that here we have both big houses that are, are producing um, comics, either in limited run or extended run. Take DC's Miracle Man, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is, you know, it's a limited series or... I forget what we call it in the industry, but it's, you know, 12 mm-hmm. issues or whatever it is, but it's extended over time. Um, but, you know, with Miracle Man, here we have a, a superhero that is dealing with some type of instable mental state, whether it happens to be bipolar disorder, like mm-hmm. Max Bemis talks about, or DID with Moon Knight or um, with depression or what 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 have you. Yeah. But we have these heroes that are dealing with things that are not just external forces, right? We're, we're dealing with heroes that have these these truly internal conflicts. And I, I really love that. Um, and so, of course, Moon Knight. Yes, Moon Knight. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, but DC, too, and Marvel in other ways are, are really coming out with some really interesting stories. So, I, I, you know, now is the time. So yeah. there's a lot of cool stuff coming out. Yeah, they certainly have. Um, yeah, I actually totally agree with you, Tommy, as well. Yeah, the, there is some interesting interesting stuff coming out um, from both houses to do with, uh, yeah, with, with mental issues uh, now, which is which is good to see. You know, it's been ignored for such a long time or it's been, like, fobbed off, you know, back in the day as, you know, we've seen those earlier Moon Knight issues where it's like, oh, that's schizo. You know, really bad, bad ways of, you know, oh, that's schizo, Mark, Moon Knight. Um, now, you know, there's a bit more understanding and um, and writers are using that to fuel um, the stories that they create as well. Uh, this this is a good, I guess, a good segue, Tommy, and, and thanks for, um, for touching upon it. Uh, let's get into our news. Uh, one of our first um, articles that we came across with, actually, it came via... I found it via the um, the Facebook group. Our group, one of the loonies, had posted it up. Uh, and it was an article on how Max Bemis's bipolar disorder helps him to write Moon, Marvel's Moon Knight. Um, Connor, do you want to um, do you want to talk talk about this a bit more? Did you did you read the article? Yeah, it's just kind of uh, the comics journalism I love, and mm-hmm. I love Newsarama for putting out stuff like this. It's just a really great one-on-one interview with um, oh, I'm writer's name. But just um, loading up. Oh yeah, Lampit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just yeah, sitting down with Max Beam is talking about his run on Moon Knight, talking about his mental health, which he's been really open about, and how that just sort of correlates with um, 
a lot of the run and a lot of the latest issue, especially with the collective and the whole idea of the subconscious. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty great. Like it kind of talks about Moon Knight as a whole to start with, then kind of moves on to talking about um, mental health. There's a lot of cool stuff about plans for the future, favorite personalities to write. You know how he feels about Mark Spector, the core of him, and yeah, just some really sweet. Um, just some, yeah, just really sweet talking about both the run and Bemis himself and how it works with him. Just I don't know, just, it was just super personal. That's uh, that's really cool. I, uh, Tommy, did you read this as well? I did, yeah, yep. and I pulled some comments too. I, yep. I was actually surprised that this I don't know happened to come out this week. I just kind of feel like any Moon Knight news is wasted news because there's never any worthwhile Moon Knight yeah, news. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this was this was an interesting interview. You know, it was mm. a quick, like, two-minute read. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Connor said, it, it did get fairly personal. I feel like Bemis mentioned uh, a few of the things that he had already stated in his first interview ah, okay. uh, when uh, the series was first put out. Basically, hey, I he, he said, I think, twice or, or maybe three times in the interview, interview i suffer from bipolar disorder mm-hmm. and i i don't have any experience with that and and i want to honor his his mention in suffering from that but he says that so many times right. and he says that that kind of legitimizes his writing yeah. of moon knight so just to play devil's advocate because i respect the man as a sure. an artist and a musician and of course the writer of the series that we love and i, and I want him to continue writing this mm-hmm. mind you um but you know I don't know necessarily that that his experience necessarily legitimizes his writing of this. Mm-hmm. Rather, I, I like the fact that he was chosen to be a writer here, and it's 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 all of him, I guess that that legitimizes yes. his um, his ability to to write this. You know, his his experience in, in his multiple disciplines. Yes. Um, but I do really, I was really interested by this idea that he says that he um, is basically improvising. Yeah, and he doesn't have a game plan for the series, whereas you know you think of like say Jeff Loeb or um, these stalwarts, yeah, uh, you know Brian Michael Bendis <clears throat> that have yeah. these these visionary plans yeah. for you know well, you, ten years out, yeah, yeah, of, of how they're going to write the series, and and he kind of brought up this idea that you know what I'm writing this as I go, yeah, and I, we see where it goes, and so I thought that was. That was not necessarily worry worrisome for me. It was more of like, all right, let's let's keep Moon Knight weird and let's see what happens. Yeah. You know, and I think it I think it adds to that as well. I mean, you know, yeah, I don't find that too worrisome as well. Actually, it's probably very apt uh, considering the character that he's got. Um, I mean, i.e. Moon Knight and what he wants to do with him, and there has to be that level of spontaneity and uh, and just unexpectedness i guess that comes with it so it's probably a, probably a, a, a very calculated um approach i think that that bemis has done in improvising and in saying okay let's let's have a bit of a more organic development of of moon knight's story and see how it goes uh look i might be reading too much into it as well maybe he's just randomly picking stuff um every arc he does but um look so far i think it's uh it's it's coming off quite well uh we've discussed before a few flat Periods, few few flat issues here and there, but that comes with any with any writer. Every issue can't be 
a uh, an Eisen Award winning issue. You know what I mean? Um, so you got to have your peaks and troughs. But uh, yeah, yeah, an interesting article. So Linnies, check that out. We'll put it in the show notes as always. Um, but it's also floating around on our Facebook group there. Um, up as a post, so comment uh, as you will. Let us know what you think about uh, how Bemis approaches uh, Moon Knight um, and also what his thoughts are on The Collective, which to me is a very interesting villain. Um, like we've mentioned before as well, it's nothing original per se as, you know, we've seen that with The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing or or, um, or Life Form. I, I keep on mentioning that, which is a 90s um, story arc about... A, a criminal that absorbs all these people and, and gets out of hand. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting interesting read. So check that out. Um, second bit of news we have again was from our fellow loony Tim, uh, Tim Webster. So he posted it up. I'm not sure where he got it. He sent he sent a photo. It looks like it might be from a previews catalog. Is it? Yeah, it's yeah. from it's from Marvel, Marvel's previews magazine. So at least in the United States, yep. uh, within uh, the big previews catalog that we get, mm-hmm. we now get. Uh, both Marvel and DC separate uh, magazine folds. Oh, and so this right. is from the the back of the the book. So oh, okay, okay, yeah. I mean, I've, I see it lying on the counter at King. I never really pick it up. If anything, I usually get the the digital. There's a free digital version on Comicsology for people who are into digital. But anyway, the news here, which is pretty good, I'm gonna I'm pretty excited about this. Is um, there's going to be a trade paperback of Marvel Knights by Dixon and Barreto. So uh, subtitled Defenders of the Street. So this is the um, the Moon, uh, not the Moon Knight, the Midnight, uh, not the Midnight, the Marvel <laughs> Knight, the Marvel Knights run, um, yeah. which has a lot of Moon Knight, which is pretty exciting. Um, uh, what do you, uh, Tommy? Have you got Have you got the collection of Marvel Knights? Uh, no. So when I first got into Moon Knight, um, now about ten years ago, um, I I learned that he had a presence in. Uh, early 2000s or late 90s, early 2000s with Marvel Knights. So I tried to find some spot issues here and there, mm-hmm. and I have since then. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this because I trying to find those Marvel Knights issues that have Moon Knight in them yeah. are, have been, has been really difficult for me. Those are the you know the the, the issues that are just I, I can't find. I can find all the 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 Doug Mensch old runs and and this and that. Yeah. And I, I have a fairly complete collection. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, it should be good. And Connor, do you have um do you have Marvel Knights as well, or are you going to be picking up this bad boy? Uh, I'll probably be picking it up. I've uh, read it on um, Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, that's how. This was your introduction, wasn't it? As well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it was. Um, well, it was actually around this area. Ah. I think I read the Houston run first and ah. jumped back for this. Yeah. Um, I was pretty pretty keen to reading it on the show. I think I was mm. a bit lukewarm on it when I first read it, but I think that might have been just the time. So I'm really keen to revisit this in such a completed collection. You know, it's a great price. You know, once again with Smash and. Was it forty bucks for fifteen issues and a nice complete collection? Yeah, and um, I'll I'll wait to the next bit of news for um. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, uh, they... yeah. I mean, I was about to say as well. It it is a nice bit of collection, and it's nice to have them all kind of collected together and and on the bookshelf as well. I'll, I'll definitely be picking this up. Um, to go with uh, Connie, you've got me obsessed now with trying to get that Secret Avengers trade paperback, which you <laughs> mentioned, because that's got the Moon Knight um, appearances in there as well. Uh, so we're pretty lucky. Like, as it's m- good too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Tommy, all, I'm a- all, th- all three of them. I've got, I've got them right here. Let's oh, see. awesome. I mean, uh, Mission to Mars, Eyes of the Dragon, yeah. and 
run the mission, don't get seen, save the world, all three of them. They're great. I'm looking forward to reading those. They're, they look so good. I love the art as well. Um, and we're quite lucky as loonies. Uh, we're getting some trade paperbacks released now, which um, which feature Moon Knight in some capacity. And the next one, Connor, um, features him a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the best phrase... Sorry. Mint. Uh, one of the best phrase to read uh, Mo- uh, Munch's run... Munch at the fuck. there we go thanks tommy um one of the best ways to read that one is through the marvel epic collection Mm. which we have to release we probably get one about every year there's not full confirmation of what's in this issue but on january 8th we'll be getting the third volume of the epic collection called final rest i imagine this will be the last of the um uh, mensch run and then probably a few more issues maybe fist of Contra or something yeah, like that yeah yeah super cool i mean it's a great lineup coming out secret avengers is out yeah got the lamia hardcover coming out marvel knights yeah this all looking good in the near future yeah all we need is a netflix show <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> netflix show something some give us something um yeah uh i'm i'm assuming there's a lot of speculation as to what this epic collection will have i'm assuming it will just be chronological so as you say connor tying up the mensch run uh would go into fist of conchu uh similar to the essential collection um which goes a bit further than what the epic collection is so probably a bit a bit more of that um i'm still looking forward to the mark specter collected edition of the 90s run that would be absolutely great uh but there are plenty others like you know obviously resurrection war and high strangeness that could probably fit into this epic collection as well so uh all speculation we'll just have to see um so the early january 2019 that will be out um uh tommy actually we've got a bit of news here from you as well uh the next point sorry uh with jeff lemire yep yeah, so this isn't much Moon Knight news, just, uh, uh, you know, Moon Knight brethren. Uh, but Jeff Lemire's Gideon Falls, which, you know, many loonies have been reading. We're now on issue four, awaiting issue five. Um, uh, great thriller series from Image. Um, but it's been picked up by uh, the production group Hivemind uh, mm-hmm. for development for TV. They're the same group that is presumably producing a series uh, based on the Witcher, mm-hmm. uh, not just the video games, but the the three or four novels um, for Netflix, Guillermo del Toro's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and uh, Amazon's continued development for uh, the sci-fi show The Expanse. And so especially recognizing that Hivemind is working with Guillermo del Toro, they've picked up sci-fi's The Expanse, mm. um, the idea that they're working with Netflix trying to produce a series of The Witcher, which is one of the most popular uh, RPG games, mm-hmm. uh, you know, within the last decade or so, this is really cool to see that. Hey, Jeff Lemire has a project uh, potentially that's going to be produced for for television. Mm-hmm. Um, Gideon Falls is only what in go- approaching issue five, though. Yeah, so absolutely. It's, that I think that 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 speaks accolades toward uh, Lemire's work yeah. and the faith that that uh, production companies put into him. Um, and let's get Lemire back on Moon Knight. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, it, very exactly. Very strange that it's such a new series, but um, it just is testament to the weight that Jeff Lemire's name has. Uh, yeah, um, I'm assuming they would, because there was talk ages ago about them developing Underwater Welder, 
Um, so I don't know what happened with that as well, but it seems like um, the production companies are circling around Jeff Lemire's work. I mean, he certainly is hot property in the comics realm, um, but obviously his writing has um, has overlapped onto, I guess, the, the small screen, maybe the movies as well, who knows? But yeah, interesting stuff there. And uh, Guillermo del Toro, he's, um, he's great. I, I do love the old Hellboy movies. And uh, his other stuff as well. Uh, was it Pan's Labyrinth? Was was good. Yep. Yeah. Pan's yeah. Labyrinth, and I, I believe he produced um, Pacific. Oh, Pacific uh, Rim. Oh yeah. Pacific Shape Rim of Water. Two, one and two. Well. Yeah. Oh, Shape of Water as well. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's he's a uh, he's he's got talent. That young fella. <laughs> mm. But yeah, Gideon Falls was like the first time I read it. I just thought how perfect it work as a TV show, which I think was probably the outset from the get go. You know, there's a few productions like this. Right. where they option for TV immediately. But also exciting is it has uh, Dinesh, the um, fantastic man oh. who uh, rebuilt Valiant for us, is, uh, I believe, heading that project, possibly. Really? Good on him. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah, cool. Yeah, he's, he's uh, I mean, for Valiant fans out there, they know that there's um, quite an affinity uh, for Dinesh and, and, and Valiant and and how we parted was was not the best. Um, so it's good to hear that he's he's jumping on board to this. Hopefully, it will be successful. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> next, uh, we've got last couple here. Uh, is this uh, Connor or Tommy? Um, last bits of news, not news. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I added these um, at least in the printed uh, previews this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Moon Knight 199 cover art was revealed. I think that maybe you already discussed that last week. But yep, yeah. um, at least we got in the in the floppy magazine the Cthulhu in the background, which man, I can't wait for that. That's yeah, gonna be really I know. cool. Doesn't that look awesome? Because <laughs> um, I know we've got the you know this group of sadistic murderers or something that that are going to eat Moon Knight in the next issue or something yeah. like that. But I really like the idea of a Cthulhu god looming in the background and and Moon Knight getting involved. So that looks really cool. Yeah. And then um, these other two pieces are really just editorials. They're ones from comicbook.com. Mm-hmm. Um, the other is from uh, bleedingcool.com. Uh, but the uh, the former, the eight greatest Moon Knight runs of all time, I think comicbook.com is trying to sabotage the ITK Facebook group with this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but then finally, the bleedingcool.com uh, article why Marvel, excuse me, why Marvel should not make a Moon Knight movie, uh, was basically justifying a lot of the discussion that we've already had over the last year, which is Moon Knight is far too complex a character. Uh, you know, last yeah. week or two weeks ago, we had some comments from Feige and others saying that, hey, the thing about Moon Knight is that he started out really campy, yeah. and then he got really interesting, and yeah. then he got really awesome. And the fact is, is that if you're trying to make a movie or anything to bring him to a larger audience, you have to build up from the ground up. And and so this this article is nothing new. Yeah. You know, it's just it's it's another regurgitation. Yeah. But with it, an original twist on it. But you know, by proxy, it's uh, it's more exposure for Moon Knight anyway. So you know, regardless sure. of being repetitive, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, they say that you know should not make a Moon Knight movie look as difficult. Then why not just shake things up? You know, I know it might divide fans and stuff but like to get moon knight out onto the screen uh would be great um i think that would be good so um let's just see and maybe, maybe we should have a, a a moon knight radio show like that wolverine podcast or whatever that was on stitcher yeah <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe we that. need to invent a new type of media maybe we need yeah. to have a lunar podcast where i don't know absolutely 
we can do that. We've, Loonies unite. Here we go. We, we can we've already that. got we already had Conchu on the show in some of the Isle of Russia, so I'm sure he's happy to <laughs> that's right. he's happy to turn up um, to do a radio play. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Ray, Ray, never assume that you know the will of Conchu. We we merely must beg on our knees and request that he return. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and look, we'll we'll get into um, this issue that we're about to review very shortly, Loonies. Um, but yeah, we see Conchu does have a, a bit of a lasting effect. Um, for want of a better word as well. Hi, this is Phil Parrish from the Caves and Lunatics podcast, a proud member of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Uh, and anyway, speaking of that, uh, and uh, a slight change of plan. So unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, uh, the power of Chad could not join us, but he will be back shortly. I think he um, he's fighting some scarab beetles somewhere on some other far distant planet. So uh, he's got his hands full, uh, and he's just making his way back. But uh, so we're gonna we're gonna do, I guess, uh, our new format of uh, the Lunar Pick. So we've got a Lunar Pick of this episode, which is oh, hang on, let me just cue in <laughs> intro music. The moon will not tolerate your interference. All right. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, still got to work out the uh, the cogs for that. But anyway, so Looney Pick. Um, and as you well know, Looney's, the latest Max Bemis issue, has um, materialised in front of us. This is Moon Knight, Volume 9, Issue 196. It doesn't have a title on there. I'm assuming it's still Enter the Collective uh, but it's part two, and it wraps up this two-issue arc. Um, it's available uh, as a single issue currently, and on Comixology or Amazon, um, you know, via via Kindle. So you can get it digital, or you can get it in hard copy format. Down the track, I'm sure it will be in a trade. Um, it was, uh, and what we'll do here for for Loonies is a very new format. Uh, we're going to have a bit more of a, a free form, a, a bit more of a free flowing discussion. So, uh, what we'll do, I might actually, and I'll prep you for this, Tommy, because I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, where we start off with a sliver, um, a sliver being uh, the, I guess, the epitome or the um, the summary of of the issue in just a couple of sentences. Uh, then uh, the three of us will just talk about basically what we. Um, what we loved about this issue so it will be a lot of white noise um and finally we'll end with our moon ratings which is a new rating system uh, it has been certified by the authorities so we're happy to have it <laughs> um uh, basically it's a no uh, new moon or no moon uh, which is basically zero uh, we have a quarter moon, half moon, three quarter moon, full moon and for those exceptional issues we have a blue moon which uh, might even add a little uh, audio snippet there for to celebrate if this issue does reach that <laughs> that 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 peerless um, rating. So, uh, without any further ado, Connor, um, perhaps could you possibly before we get into the sliver, can you give us the credits for this issue? The credits include our big writer himself, Max Bemis, joining with the artist from the previous issue, Paul Davison, uh, continuing colorist. The uh, shining man of this run, colorist Matt Lopez. Got a letterer of VCs, Corey Petit, doing the best concert lettering, as he always continues to. We have cover artist with Becky Cloonan and design by Nick Russell. 
Excellent. Uh, okay then. Well, Tommy, I um, I hope you have got something there. <laughs> um, would you be able to give us a sliver of what this issue encapsulated? Yeah, sure. First of all, I, you know, without too much of a review, great art from Paul Davidson. Mm. I think that's what the issue really relies on. Yep. Um, but we have uh, Moon Knights. Um, well, I should say Mark Spector, Jake Lockley, um, Stephen Grant, and, and the Conchu aspect, all four of these gents that are present within the collective mind, which is this not necessarily hellish, but more psychedelic mindscape where crazy things are happening. Um, and throughout the first several pages, uh, Maurice tries to convince Mark Spector specifically uh, to serve his needs. Um, it's really the Conchu personality that brings on the idea that, hey, maybe Mark, you as Moon Knight can temper Maurice and mm-hmm. uh, or really the collective uh, to tame them and make the collective more of a docile creature. Uh, but then the different aspects of the collective start to turn against Maurice. And so Maurice becomes the chief antagonist. Uh, Jake Lockley really starts to take over toward the end, as we've seen in several of the Bemis issues. Mm-hmm. But Mark Spector, Conchu, Stephen Grant, um, and Jake Lockley, uh, and the rest of the collective as a whole, with all of these new uh, versions of Moon Knight, um, start to take over the collective. And they beat down Maurice until finally, in the real world, the collective is finally defeated. Um, and it looks like, at least at the end, that many of the um, individuals that had been absorbed or resorbed by the collective had been released. We don't know for sure. And Maurice, as the originator, is arrested by the police, where finally, in the last two panels of the book, which to me are the best, mm. Uh, yep. He starts to show signs of taking on the bird skull of Kanchu, which is oh, I can't wait to talk about this. That is crazy so, stuff. Yeah, that's that's about it. You know, I mean, you got to read it. You got to yeah. read it. Excellent stuff. That was a good a good recap there, Tommy. Um, really captured it all. Uh, yeah, and as you say before, when we hit off the mark, uh, Paul Davidson's art really does add so much to this. Um, so anyway, um, and well, well, let's get into it then. Um, uh, Tommy, then let's open with your. What would your um, first big point for this be? Oh boy, I don't. I don't. We might have to wait for this one. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Cool. Why don't Why don't we Why don't we open up with art? What does everybody think about the art by Paul Davidson, I, especially in this issue where we have? Uh, yeah. You know, we had one huge splash page yes. in uh, in in one ninety five, um, which was the bed scene, which was really cool. It was you know a little creepy, but yep. really cool. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think about the art? Connor? Oh, I will lead this off that it is bloody phenomenal. Yeah. This is just super stylized, super psychedelic with Matt Lopez on covers, just giving it all. There's just so many different almost styles and ideas working together while still being very consistent in its craziness. You know, we've got a fantastic double page spread of all the different types of Moon Knight. We've got all these crazy different designs and ideas just coming together mixed with like a ridiculous story with both equally well-designed and ridiculous caricatures mm-hmm. that just work so well with the idea of the mind as well as continuing with Jake Lockley. I think whenever panels just go full on, 
just amazing. There's just so much happening in this issue. So many different ways, different style. And Paul Davison is definitely one to watch, apparently, because awesome. Yeah, he's... um. It was absolutely fantastic. Look, taking nothing away from Ty Templeton and, and Jason Burrows, who are uh, top-tier artists in their own right, but um, to see Paul Davidson and in this arena of, of basically the mind of the, the collective, uh, he was just given free reign, and it is just awesome to watch, uh, to, to look at, basically. I wonder if, with all those Moon Knights, who had... if. Um, if Bemis allowed Davidson to come up with them himself, you know, the designs. Generally, um, the artists do get a lot of um, um, freedom to actually create uh, or design some characters. So maybe these incidental Moon Knight characters were his creation, which are just spaced out. Um, and as you say, Matt Lopez really does add so much to the colouring. Um, I can't lord Paul Davidson's art enough. It, there's, there's just... There's a lot of detail without being an over-detailed, if that makes sense. Um, he has little little bits in in um, in the backgrounds as well. He look he doesn't he doesn't uh, flesh out the backgrounds as meticulously as say your, your Greg Smallwoods, but um, there are little bits there where you like. There's a, a scene here where they're on the uh, on the terrace, the gargoyle terrace, and they're looking out into the infinite universe of minds. And you have the blimp of of Shield and and the Avengers, and you have a Punisher balloon up there. Um, just the shot of that uh, and the high-rise buildings opposite it and the advertising on the billboards, um, I just thought was just great. Um, his facial characterizations of all the characters were, were fantastic. Tommy, as you were saying, um, those last two panels of, um, of the end there, uh, of Maurice, uh, that second last one of him starting to change. And the fact that, you know, Maurice has no, no chin to begin with, it kind of melded in really well, really easy. You know how he started to form that that beak. Um, yeah, really good stuff. Um, really, really enjoyed the art for this. A lot of this will end up being my wallpaper for sure. <laughs> uh, and also, just finally, I mean, like just with the art again. Uh, if you're if you've got your digital copies, loonies or um, anyone around page nineteen of twenty two, uh, Connor, you mentioned before about the onomatopoeic. Um, wording but but this is incorporated into the explosion of the collective so you get the big splock as the collective is uh is i guess burst um after moon knight defeats the um the virus i think it's at yeah absolutely phenomenal stuff so yeah and and don't forget the what leads to that though is the single horizontal panel on the previous yeah that was Jake Lockley's yeah, fist that is one of my favorite <laughs> I love that you can see the yeah you know that's what took out the truth yeah that's what takes out the collective even like even that page you're talking about Tommy um and just prior to it, Jake's face and and Stephen Grant's face and then even Maurice's face as he looks up to them with a bloodied mouth it's just it's just really well done um. Yeah, that's one of my. And how about that too? You know, Stephen Grant. He he has that that kind of menacing, yeah, almost maniacal face behind Jake Lockley, almost goading him on. Which is we haven't seen that yet no. in the Bemis run. No, not uh, Stephen Grant has been the the tame, um, you know, almost puppy dog. The one that's like the do gooder. You know, he refuses to step out of line. Mm. He's always there with Conchu. You know, yeah, almost on he, uh, Yeah, he's very much been uh, in the background compared to the others. Uh, and as you say, Tommy, yeah, Jake Lockley really does 
Um, does step up. Look, he's the most outspoken one, you'd think, out of all of them, um, definitely in the Beamers run. But you, you're also gifted with a few nice splash pages here from um, Davidson, the one where they're battling, you know, the battling the virus. Um, I, I also like the colours that Lopez has done with um, Maurice's face when he when he has that evil look in his face, that purple, purple ready, you know, when he kind of snaps back at them. Uh, that was that's beautifully done as well with the, the little um, Maurice and the yellow teeth. Yeah, yellow teeth. The little Maurice fairies um, just flutter. And they're all, they're all surprised too that he's acting that way. Yeah, and... yeah. So really good stuff. Really good art stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. It's really the it's too. It's and you know Ray, you mentioned before too about the you know the lack of a chin on Maurice, but it's 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 the shape of his head yeah. and his neck. Yeah, that is so unsettling. I remember it is, yeah. you know kind of feeling creeped out in the first issue uh in 195 but then here you know he stands out as a villain because of you know his his the way he's sculpted too Mm. and but what's what's crazy about that is that this this like lack of chin which might suggest this lack of gumption or this lack of this lack of um uh i don't know uh machismo or you know this this willingness to to take action you know, is ironic because he seems to be the leader of the collective, but he still seems to be so passive, you know, where he's dressed in this, you know, wraparound diaper. He has these <laughs> colorful butterfly wings. He's flitting all over the place. He has these uh, smaller little sprite figures that are floating around him. And he seems to just command this army within the collective, but also without of the collective. And then finally, though, what's most menacing, I think, is that the fact that here you have this character that you know, has lacked this masculine skeleture, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that this shape. And then finally, in the, again, in those last two panels, he starts to take on this wholly menacing yeah. beak-like feature where he starts to morph into Khonshu's uh, bird skull at the end. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I would imagine that that is part of what Davidson, but also Bemis as the writer, was going for, is mm-hmm. this idea that you have this this kind of shapeless figure as a human, mm-hmm. not just the collective, which seems to be shapeless, but you have the originator, which almost seems to be shapeless compared to other humans that then gains this power, gains this, this sculpture when he takes on the power of Kanchu or, you know, whatever we choose to discuss yeah. according to these last two panels. So I think there's, you know, maybe we as always are reading far too into it, but I think that the artist is Davidson and the writer Bemis really did intend um, the different features for especially the antagonist here. Yeah. I can, I can imagine Bemis um, writing in some cues uh, in his script. Uh, just, I mean, just having looked at um, so Valiant uh, in their pre-order bundles have exclusive material uh, in their issues and, it has commentary, and you get to actually see scripts written uh, by the writers and how it's kind of formatted, and so that's what I'm kind of taking this from. But I can imagine Bemis, um, I can imagine Bemis, uh, you know, describing, you know, Maurice is to be a, like, I don't know, a small weaselly sort of man, you know, I don't know, something to kind of give uh, some emotive description for, for Davidson to work on, and I think he's done a really great job by by creating him to be an almost inhuman looking um yeah uh i don't know just as you say worm worm yeah exactly exactly so uh yeah really really great stuff here um 
what do you guys think of? I mean, I'm holding off Tommy on on your um, on your points because they are big ones there. Um, so just going back to the beginning, what do you guys think of this idea about uh, Maurice wanting to engage Moon Knight as a as a police um, almost of uh, and this idea of of the collective being an infinite infinite um, realm of of, uh, of worlds almost. Um, an interesting idea from from Bemis, uh, considering that Moon Knight has identities to police of his own. Um, yeah, I'll just jump in with like I guess what I thought of this whole issue that yep. it was just so much fun, and this idea is just fun. Like we get to just see it's just an excuse to draw a whole bunch of different Moon Knights, yeah. have the personalities interacting with fun ways, exciting like battles and art that can be contained to one page. Plenty of great like yeah one panel jokes. And it just, it just works so well in general. Like it's it's the kind of humor and one shot I love. Like just ridiculous ideas, ridiculous caricatures, just yeah. something dumb ideas that they can fit in because superhero runs can do that while judging a a, a much more serious story. Mm. And I think a uh, big shout out to my favorite was Gecko Knight. Yeah, him, Moon Gecko. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. The Stephen Platt bloody uh, Moon Knight, who was just so grossly. <laughs> Well, I, I put that down to, I thought that was a Rob Liefeld, Moon Knight, um, but it could easily work as a Stephen Platt one, you're right. Um, actually, yeah, I didn't consider that, but yeah, for sure. I mean, that's even closer to Moon Knight, isn't it? Um, Are we talking about the, the super jacked The roided one. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The small... With the tiny legs. The tiny legs, the the big chest, you know, similar to <laughs> to Captain America, Liefeld's um, infamous picture of him. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I really... I didn't mind that we only touched upon the different Moon Knights. I mean, I get. I think we'll get to it with the other um, loony feedback. But <laughs> the tiny cape, <laughs> the tiny cape, yeah. But um, uh, a lot of the some of the loonies weren't too um, weren't too impressed with, I guess, all these this this Moon Knight core, so to speak. Um, I think yeah. I think it was only it's only there fleetingly, really, and I think it, it served its purpose. I think it was quite quite just fun, you know. Um, yeah, that you don't really have to invest too much into them. Although there are some really good designs there. Um, I do like the uh, and, Iron Man Moon Knight there, or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, and didn't we see a bit of this? And given not as as diversified, but didn't we see a bit of this with the Lemire run, where we have uh, uh, Moon Knight versus uh, the werewolves in space, uh, where we have the, the Moon Knight Space Force. You know, given they weren't all these oh, yes. different alien races, yeah, yeah, but it was yeah. still, you know, it was a force of yep. Moon Knights, right? You know, and so I, I felt a little bit of that Green Lantern core, this idea that we have this, we have a core, we have a, a you know, a, a group of unified Moon Knights that are all working toward the same purpose. But here, absolutely, I would agree with the, the Looney's comments, and I know we'll get to that in the feedback, but of the, this, this does bring on the Green Lantern aspect. But I, I do feel that we've had this idea before, so it's not necessarily anything new. Yeah, true, true. Um, yeah, look, one, one of the big points I thought was great was, um, was, was Moon Knight tackling all these, uh, I guess, mental aspects of, um, of the collective. So you get a, a, like a montage or a quick uh, run-through, like Moon Knight's resolving the Oedipal complex, um, and the angst quotient, uh, they're, they're just quite funny. Um, 
I thought that was the, the absorbing man with Moon Knights versus false masculinity. Did you? Because <laughs> he says, oh, I also kind of like Thor. Like Carl Creel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Carl, yeah, yeah. Crusher, uh, what's his name? Crusher Creel. Um, yeah, Crusher Creel. Yeah, and then finally you have the all suicidal and homicidal tendencies. Uh, just a lot of bit, a, a bit of fun. And again, actually a bit of fun for the artist, uh, just to kind of depict this, I think. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, it's pretty funny. Another another reference to to the X Men again from Stephen Grant. You know, this must be what it's like to be an X Man or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, you get your Beamer's humor in there as well. But um, yeah, I found it interesting that um, the, I, I, just to draw back a little, I found it really interesting that Maurice wanted to uh, ask Moon Knight to to patrol this realm, and to, and and with that. Um, the collective that beast in in our realm will be a bit more subdued, as you say, a bit more docile. Uh, I found that in, a very interesting um, idea to take, and and I know I have to give props to to Bemis there for for coming up with that. I think that was a a pretty cool way of going about um, integrating Moon Knight into this, um, because yeah, it, it makes sense. He has experience with trying to corral all these identities together. Uh, to a larger scale here in the collective, but um, why not give it a go? And he also mentions as well, it only took half a day to what is it? it took less than a day to to kick the butt of half of the collective universes, which is quite phenomenal. Yeah, pretty bloody good. Moon Knight's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, good work. Yeah. Um, okay, Tommy, how about your uh, your point? Uh, it's a bit. Well, yeah, sure. So sort of. To piggyback off of that, before we get to that, mm-hmm. you know, it, that seems to suggest that Maurice, as this character, you know, obviously he is the antagonist of uh, 195 and 196, but it seems to present him as a character that uh, knows about Moon Knight, knows about Mark Spector, knows about the fact that Mark Spector has DID, and knows about the fact that Mark Spector has to negotiate between all of these different identities mm-hmm. uh, within his mind. And so more, it's almost like Maurice was hunting Mark Spector. He was hunting Moon Knight. You know, in fact, if you go back to 195, I'm going to try to bring up the page here. Uh, but when um, Mark Spector engages um, the collective in the museum, he comes in and says, oh, big guy. And then you have this huge, huge splash page where the collective addresses the moon knight as the moon knight, you know, (laughs) like the collective knows who the moon knight is, you know, and okay, we know who Spider-Man is. We live in New York. We know who, uh, Iron Man is because, you know, we live within the 616 universe. And so maybe people just know who moon knight is, is this B listed superhero, but it's almost as if within 195, as if the collective is uh, is is hunting Moon Knight. In fact, you know Moon Knight on the next page in that issue says, "I don't necessarily like that you know who I am." But then the collective responds, "We are now composed of at least thirty-two New Yorkers, several of which are familiar with your history." Mm. So maybe it's not Maurice. Maybe it's the people that Maurice has taken on yeah. in the collective in one ninety-five that have that are seeking out Moon Knight because these people know yeah. of his DID and know that he can be the force that brings them whole so what's again you know back to the mariah discussion with luke cage season two back to the bushman discussion with season two the most interesting antagonists are always those with which you can maybe kind of sympathize Mm. or maybe even empathize to a certain degree 
And, uh, you know, because here we have Maurice who maybe was not necessarily trying to turn himself into this megalomaniacal monster trying to take over New York City and destroy helicopters. Maybe he was really just a hippie trying to meld his mind with three or four other people and try to live his true life or something like that, you know, which, Mm. okay, maybe that's weird to many people. But at the same time, here we just have somebody that's trying to live their life. It goes awry, but then somebody figures out, hey, we know somebody that can help us. Mm -hmm. So what that brings me to is this idea that, well, maybe Maurice is kind of like a parasite. Mm -hmm. And so at first, maybe when Maurice comes and and knows that Moon Knight is going to show up at the situation in 195, he knows that, hey, Moon Knight or Mark Spector, the man behind the mask, can help me collect the collective. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, I can bring all of this together. Yeah. But then I think maybe as he spends more time with Mark Spector and then Moon Knight starts policing within the collective, Maurice starts to learn that, hey... Kanshu maybe has an influence here and that really brings us to the last two panels of the book Mm -hmm. where Maurice starts to take on the aspect of Kanshu and so maybe and I'm seeing this a couple different ways we could read this as Maurice knows that Kanshu is a god Mm -hmm. Kanshu is this this extant being that has this great power that Mark has temporarily harnessed Mm -hmm. And Maurice is going to release Kanchu, and Kanchu is going to be his vengeant god up in the ether sphere, the other void, the over void somewhere. And and Maurice is going to release him, and 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 Kanchu is going to be the big baddie once again. Yeah, it, we could go that direction, it, it, or yeah. we could see it simply as Maurice believes what Mark believes, uh-huh. and if Mark believes that Kanchu is real, even if Kanchu is not real. Even if Kanchu is just an aspect of Mark, yeah. Maurice is now taking on that aspect of Mark, and he's now transferring it to a second body. So we are actually going to have two Kanchus that are not godlike; they're just parts of these people, yeah. but they are two separate entities. So crazy stuff! Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it is absolutely crazy. And look, I'd like to posit a third view as well because um, who knows? We'll just have to wait and see how it goes. Uh, I read it differently, actually. I gave the benefit of the doubt to Maurice, and I, I placed it on Conchu himself, um, doing something a bit underhanded, and Conchu slipping in there and potentially trying to start to sway Maurice. I thought that was that's what I took from the last two, and uh, and with that, you know, um, that Conchu's last uh, statement. What does he say? Look, you know, I think we've made an impression. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I thought maybe yeah. it's Conchu trying to potentially maybe gain another avatar, maybe in this um, this very absurd man that is Maurice and and has some sort of power now. He's got you know he's, he can form this collective. Who knows whether he can do it again? Uh, he might well do. But I thought maybe Conchu finding that as an opportunity to jump on board and maybe start to influence Maurice so I don't know yeah I mean it, exactly as you say totally weird totally up there it can actually go any which way uh Connor how did you perceive the last couple of panels yeah I'm kind of in the same boat as both of you I think go either way I think definitely that you know there's definitely been something left in his mind with Conchu mm. and obviously this part of him where he morphed himself seems to be able to just I don't know, be some sort of shape-shifting power now. Yeah. It's great that they've set up another villain to return. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got to wonder, you know, I'm... I probably... 
I probably won't say anything definite, but yeah, it's real interesting to see whether he's adapting the look or maybe there's a much more sinister Conchu in his head out for revenge. Yeah. What are your thoughts? What are you, both of your thoughts on Conchu again becoming the, the bad or potentially the big bad? Well, look at it this way. So at the end of the uh, issue 196, Maurice is beaten down. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's weak. Let's not forget, he doesn't have a chin, right? He's the worm. <laughs> yes. yep. So he might think that he's in control in 195. He loses control in at the end in early 196, so he needs Moon Knight to take control. Mm-hmm. So, But ultimately, in the end, he's beaten down and he's weak. So here's you know some evidence to justify, Ray, your mm-hmm. uh, uh, posit there. But in that last panel where he says, I can only imagine that we made, and then in italics, quite the impression with periods of ellipsis after that. And then you see the menacing face or the menacing skull, not just of of Maurice, but the menacing skull of Khonshu there. That would really speak to this idea that maybe Khonshu is taking over the weak Maurice. And so Maurice is beaten down. I mean, if you look at the the penultimate panel there where the the beak is starting to come about, he just looks downtrodden he looks taken out Kanchu and mark are are looking on but Kanchu again says i i can only imagine that we made quite the impression and you know that i think i would agree with you ray that that really speaks to this idea that maybe Kanchu or the aspect of Kanchu, if we want to get really like maybe you know if we were to look at this as Kanchu doesn't actually exist Mm. it is only a figment of mark's imagination or only an identity of mark but the fact that if you go back to several issues ago, this is maybe 192, uh, it was the issue where we had the Cthulhu panels mm. where Kanchu was trying to explain to Mark, Jake, and Stephen how belief makes things real. Mm. Yes. So maybe maybe Mark, even, even if Kanchu does not exist, let's say that the Egyptian pantheon does not actually exist. Everything that happened Lemire was in the Lemire series was just in Mark's head. Yeah. Mark now recognizing that he believes in the Kanchu aspect. He believes in this identity. He is therefore willed it into being. And so now maybe that willed being is now a parasite. And so now that is now trying to take over this Maurice character as he is taken off into you know, a prison or a jail cell yeah. or wherever he seems to go. So again, you know, I, I love the fact that we can we can still imagine that this isn't a Captain America issue. This is not an Iron Man issue. Mm. There's Moon Knight is still so weird, <laughs> yeah. and we can imagine so much, and yeah. we can, you know, for as much as Max Bemis says, I have no idea where this is going, and I'm just kind of going as I go and writing as I go and seeing how it it, it inspires me. Yeah, I like that. I like this idea that we can continue to be on that trip and we can continue to to wonder is this real is this not real yeah. where is this going to go is maurice going to become the new conchu yeah I, I, that's that that that's so exciting to me uh, you know because yeah. i know that the next absolutely issue, i mean now, and it's a for me it's a fresh take you know apart from having yet again conchu as the the devil's advocate or the um the person whispering on mark specter's shoulder We've got a new, different look at Conchu, um, which I think is is fine. It's in keeping with him. He he is still, um, I'm sure he's going to be still seeking vengeance as well. But I I do have to tip my hat off to to Bemis. I reckon I, I'm open to all this uh, sort of stuff. Um, this adding on to Moon Knight's uh, already 
very layered history. Um, also, as well, adding more of a updating the rogues gallery as well. Like we've already got uh, Sun King, the Truth. We now have the Collective. Um, we saw on that that cover of one ninety nine. There seems to be some sort of Cthulhu or, or demon. Who knows what's happening? And don't forget Doctor Emmett. Doctor Emmett, Emmett as well. Absolutely. Right, yeah. So Bemis is is actually adding a lot here to Moon Knight's um, Moon Knight's mythology, and and I think it's fantastic. Uh, and and this whole weirdness factor, you know, um, is just something that we really haven't seen before. Like we've got a whole issue of basically within someone's mindset or the collective's mindset, and that just opens so many doors of of how to depict Moon Knight. Um, I think that was I think it was really clever. Um, any other any other big big points here you want to cover, guys? Uh, for- um- I'll throw just another one. One, mm-hmm. uh, you get to see uh, Power Man and Iron Fist in this. Yes. That was great. And Spider-Man see the boys. as well. Spot- oh, yeah, Spider-Man, Daredevil. Daredevil as well, yeah. Um, but actually, yeah, my favorite thing, these issues have kind of like, outside of the main stories, done a few cool things. I think, one, the interaction between um, Deatrice and Mark, and the other issue was, uh, the Ty Templeton issue was fantastic. Mm. But what also I'm loving is the amount of um, time these personalities get to shine in this own unique way they've been depicted. I love um, Grant, uh, especially getting to shine again with Konshu and interacting with the uh, bloody um, Jack Lock at the end. They're just such like a, yeah. it's just such a strange bunch of weirdos and it actually works really well in this kind of like buddy comedy strange setting, especially like the collective unconscious. And also the first panel looks like a Beatles album, but with the four boys. So I'm very, I'm very keen on that. Oh, which the first panel? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Abbey Road. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, and the and the uh, surrealism. That's that's so cool. Uh, actually, just touching on that as well, the very first page. I do like how um, Bemis didn't didn't uh, linger on it. Um, so we get a quick recap of. Albeit Maurice being the dominant personality, we get a little recap of the others like Ty and Julie, um, who was the arty person. Ty was that uh, that Casanova kind of guy. So we get a mention of them. Um, if anything, I would. I'm glad that this was a two-parter. This was really good. It was a nice, nice compact story. Um, maybe it could possibly, I reckon, have filled out a three issues. Um, but I wouldn't have gone to it to a six-issue arc um i think it, it had enough to say what it, what it did in these two issues uh what do you guys reckon was it too quick or or um was it just right uh oh, what did you go tommy uh i think two issues was good i think that you know i would have if, if this was a bi-monthly issue yeah um i don't know maybe two issues would still be good like mm-hmm. maybe this was the may series of of the first week of may and the third week of may yeah, or maybe first week of May, third week of May, and then we go into the first week of June, and then we kind of introduce a new character. That may have been fun too. Do I want more Moon Knight? You know, do I want it every two weeks? Yes, but the fact that this was this is a a monthly issue, I'm glad it didn't go past two. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially, and I think Paul Davidson's art. You know, I'd love to see him return on the series. I I really love the page of the periscope because you know when mm, you you see yeah. Kanchu in that that final horizontal panel at the bottom I, I don't I'm reading a floppy so I don't yeah. have page numbers for you but Kanchu looks into the periscope he says <laughs> uh, it doesn't look good yeah. and then you go to this full splash page where you have Kanchu maybe it's not a full splash page but you have the periscope look where the panel is looking through the periscope and you see the collective just like wrecking damage which yeah. 
is crazy because technically the periscope should be inside the collective, not looking That's at the true. collective. But regardless, <laughs> yep. it doesn't matter. Nah. You know, the, the rage, 25%. Frustration, 25%. Sexual frustration, 40%. Yeah. Inner peace, 10%. It was great humor. The art, we, we already spoke about it. But yeah. um, I think two issues was two issues was perfect. Yeah, it was just kind of like, it, it, it's just like a fun, almost sort of, mm. no almost like consequences little mini that just played with some fun ideas fun art you know mm-hmm. bit of humor two issues but it's perfectly perfectly good and then we can move on yeah you know to something more dramatic or more substantial but i always love this issue i think they're a perfect addition to any run that plans to go on for a little while and to do a, as much things as they want with their characters Mm. Oh, look, I'd, I'd say as well. Yeah, I'd have to a, a smaller, a, a two two parter, two or three parter would be be fine. Because let's face it as well, and and again, being the devil's advocate, there are a few loonies out there that that aren't too happy with how how Moon Knight's being depicted at the moment, and especially with this whole psychedelic, uh, you, you know, mental state. Um, so, you know, we're not delving too much into it. It's two issues. It, you know, it's come and it's gone. It's been a fun ride. Um, and so hopefully that won't, or hopefully that will appease um, the majority of loonies as well. It seemed like from all three of us that we enjoyed it being albeit, you know, just two issues. Um, so on the other side of the fence, for people that didn't enjoy it, well, it was only two issues. So, you know, two bigger and better things uh, in the coming stories. So, yeah, I found that an advantage as well of, of being a short story arc. Um, shall we... Shall we rate this then, boys? Um, I think that's the good way to go. Yeah. Uh, how about we kick, kick off with uh, Tommy? Do you want to go? Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't have consistency. I would say that this was um, Half Moon. If that, half, moon. half Moon is three, three out of five. Yeah. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, it was... It was I. I was happy to read it because it's a Moon Knight issue and I really enjoyed it. I love the art. I think that it was a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fun to discuss it with you, uh, with both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but this wasn't like, to me, this wouldn't necessarily inspire a new audience to come read Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Even with the incredible art, the fun play, you kind of still have to be an invested Moon Knight fan to step into this. So I'd say it's three out of five. I loved it. You know, personally, you know, if I was rating myself, five out of five, loved it. Yeah. But I'd say for maybe an average reader, I'd say at best a three out of five. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. That's good. That's uh, yep, yeah, that's a good solid rating. Um, look, I, I'd have to give it. I was thinking half a moon as well, like for a long time, but I'm thinking like I I, I enjoyed it more than that. Surely, like it's not it's not a. Uh, a, you know, it's not a stellar, outstanding one. If anything, um, the artwork really does pull it up. You know, a couple of ranks. Uh, so, I, look, I just put it in there, so I can't take it back now. <laughs> I put three quarter moon. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, to be honest, I'd be hovering between a half and a three quarter, but um, I don't want to do that. So I'll, I'll go. I'll round it up to three quarter moon. Uh, the, I thought the art was absolutely exceptional. The colors. Let's not forget the colors, guys, as well. Matt Lopez, fantastic job. Um, doing work on Paul Davidson's crazy art, uh, I'd agree, Tommy. It's not uh, it's not something that you can just jump into as a casual reader, um, but it is whacked out there, isn't there? Uh, isn't it? Um, and it's just I don't know. It's just to me, it's just a little bit above 
the average for me. So I'll have to round it up to three-quarter moon. Uh, but, yeah, how about yourself, Connor? What would you give this? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of issues like this. They're fun. You know, not every issue needs to be a destructive, heart-destroying, dramatic issue. Yes. So, yeah, I just being a lot of fun, perfectly contained, just fantastic work all around, writing, art, colouring, lettering, cover, I mean, the way the personality is interactive, the ridiculousness of the Moon Knights definitely bumps it up to a um, <laughs> bloody uh, three-quarter moon. Yeah, Three-quarter moon. Excellent. So I'm the hater here. <laughs> yep, yep. You... And we hate you for it. God. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, you, you, you're the controversial one. No, no. Half Moon is, as I said, Half Moon, I, I was tossing up whether to do it, but it's a, it's a, that's a solid uh, average. So the average, boys, that's uh, 644, four, what's that? 68 over 4, what's that? I don't know. Let's say <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, seven, my maths isn't very good. 7 out of 10. I 7 out of 10, okay. Excellent. So that's a 7 tenth of a moon. They're loonies. Fantastic. Check it out if you can. As we mentioned, it is on Comixology Digital or Amazon. Uh, of course, obviously, the Marvel comic book app as well. You can you can purchase it there. Or, as Tommy has it, a, uh, a floppy. I've uh, got my floppy as well. Unfortunately, no other variants. We, don't, we aren't blessed with too many variants. I guess that's a good thing. But um, that is a good thing. Yeah. That's a great yeah. thing. <laughs> um, so just the fantastic cover by Becky Cloonan of Moon Knight, uh, cross-legged in front of a giant brain. So check it out, loonies. Please do. Hey there, everyone. I'd like to tell you about the YouTube channel I Am Your Target Demographic. If you're a fan of comics, we have plenty that you'll enjoy over there, including a series called Heroes Like Us that explores comic characters of all sorts of different identities. And we even have a series that defines words that are used in nerd culture that you may not know what they mean. So you can check us out by heading to YouTube and searching I Am Your Target Demographic or look up IAYTD on any social media outlet. Before we, we wrap it up, we actually have a fair bit of Mooney missives. Uh, we've, we've listed that off, uh, off the previous Moon Knight run. Uh, it's for our loony feedback. So, um, yeah, we've got a fair few here. Um, fellas, let's just take one each, yeah? They're um, they're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, look, I'll kick off with Levi Lassione. Uh He mentioned... Thank you, Levi, for, for writing in. He mentioned, I liked it. Uh, was a really good ending to a pretty solid two-issue arc. I'm pretty sure nobody ever asked the question, what if the Green Lantern Corps <laughs> were all Moon Knights? But I certainly enjoyed seeing the answer. Maurice was a fun antagonist who I'm sure we'll be seeing again in the future. I do really like how Bemis seems to be building up a new rogues gallery for Moon Knight, considering a lot of his old villains weren't terribly memorable outside of the big ones like Bushman, Black Spectre, Midnight, and maybe Randall. Though for me personally, Randall is memorable for all the wrong reasons. Cough, cough, <laughs> Shadowland. Uh, I'd have to agree with you there, Levi. Um, but the big ones are big ones. Let's face it, Stained Glass, Scarlet, Black Spectre, Bushman, Randall uh, have lasting power. A lot of his enemies, rogues, Moon Knight fights we see in the early series are just street thugs, so very forgettable. 
Um, also have a, a also have to give a shout out to the art in this issue, as it was a particular high point for me. Really great work by Paul Davidson. Also, unrelated to anything, I found the panel of Conchu looking through a periscope to be hilarious, and I don't know why. On that note, though, I also really like how Conchu has just become a sort of part of the team. He is seeming less and less like Mark the boss, and more like just one of the guys. Uh, even if all of the said guys are the same person. I don't know if I'll still feel this way, say, a year from now, but for now, it's a refreshing change from the norm. I could not agree more, and uh, I think our sentiments shared that as well. Uh, But yeah, overall, a really good issue that I enjoyed greatly, and the preview for next month is fairly promising too, so I'm quite looking forward to that. Uh, Yeah, thank you, Levi. Uh, Absolutely. Um, Your points we pretty much shared as well. Uh, The Moonlight Core, that that was was pretty funny. Uh, Yeah, and and Conchu, looking through the periscope. I I thought you were going to pick that one up, Tommy, when you were talking about it. Uh, I did find that a bit funny as well, how he's got no eyes, but he's, he's... Pushing his eye sockets into the uh, into the viewfinder, um, pretty funny stuff there from Max Bemis. Um, Connor, you've got the next one. Yes, from the wonderful Miss Daniel Kaluba, absolutely hilarious one. Okay, so I really enjoyed this issue. Not gonna lie, colors and art were both gorgeous, and the story was short and sweet, and like satisfied, satisfied while also providing plot hooks. I was kind of iffy about the different MKs, but since they're less, there must always be a Moon Knight. And more Mark is bored, disassociate sometimes, here you go, I'm cool with it. In addition, little details that I noticed, Mark going detective mode a bit, Steven actually speaking, I guess he's a smart, wicked, cultured alter now, Daredevil on the heroes for hide, fighting the collective from outside, I'm excited. As I said about Maurice taking on Conchu's form, I'm guessing he's going to become Conchu and fuck up Mark's life, <laughs> or maybe it was Con's plan all along. Regardless, I am overall pleased. But Bemis calls... The Crescent Darts, Moon Darts, and Mark calls himself a B-list hero when he's clearly a D-list. <laughs> MK196 gets zero stars for me. Kidding. I'd give it all four, and a, four out of five. Yeah, good point. Moon Darts. I thought they were Crescent Darts. I'm sure they've been yeah. called Crescent Darts. Um, we'll have to <laughs> bring Mr. Bemis up to speed with that. Uh, but yeah, B-list hero, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I like how Danielle's also... Coined another nickname for Conchu, old Con. So, Con. <laughs> Con's plan all along. Four out of five. Yeah, it's a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent score there. Uh, Tommy, have you got the next one? From Dustin Kurtz. Very much enjoyed the issue. The art, as always, was striking, and the writing was very good. Bemis's humor is very similar to mine. I think so. It really clicks for me. Uh, the battling of mental illness or issues as being literal battles, I found to be a really great metaphor for the mental health struggles many people go through. That ending panel was amazing. I would love for Moon Knight to have a really chaotic evil villain, a joker to his Batman, if you'll forgive the metaphor. I maintain that Moon Knight is the character's Max, Max Bemis is best suited to writing. I give it four swollen geckos <laughs> out of five. I really like what Dustin says about the, you know, the Joker to his Batman. Mm. You know, Bemis mentioned as much before the series came out that he was writing um, a Moon Knight and, and writing in a character that would become the Joker to his Batman. Um, you know, if we can continue to keep on the Batman comparisons. Yeah. Many of us thought that that was going to be Sunday. Yeah. Um, some of us thought that that was going to be Dr. Emmett. Yep. Uh, a few of us in the early days thought maybe that was going to be the truth. Yep. Um, 
today, you know, maybe it is going to be the collective taking on Kanchu. But, you know, we've even had uh, different understandings, too, that maybe it's not going to be Sun King. Maybe it's not going to yeah. be any of these characters, but rather it might be somebody else entirely. So Bemis is keeping us guessing, which is fantastic. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Gr- then, uh, just to, to speak to that point, though, but 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 uh, uh, the rabbi, though. But um, Oh, yeah. I'm blanking on his name, but but Rabbi, is it Kurtz? Or not, I'm thinking Dustin Kurtz here is his name, but Rabbi... Um, um, from 190, was it 194? Oh, the, the one oh, yeah. Ernst, was it? Or? Ernst, yeah. right. So, so Ernst, Ernst, right? So that's what I was going for, that, well, maybe it's going to be Rabbi Ernst, because yeah. remember at the end of that issue, Mark is left troubled. And that's the, the, the Rabbi Ernst, uh, and I think Chad and I had a discussion on this. Mm-hmm. He's the one character that seems to shake Mark. Yeah. Uh, and really instill fear in him. Not not Bushman, not mm. you know Bushman who led Mark to Conchu. Mm. You know it, it should be him, but it's it seems to be none of those characters. But maybe it's Rabbi Ernst. And so I'd I'd love that Dustin brings this up because you know maybe it is going to be Sun King. Maybe it is going to be mm. Ernst. Maybe it is going to be the truth. Yeah. Maybe it is going to be the yeah, collective. Absolutely. Maybe it is going to be. Uh, any of these that, as we mentioned, have been brought into the rogues gallery. Yeah, really hard to pick. Um, and, and yeah, really good point from Dustin as well. Um, just you reminded me that 190, whatever it was, 194, that was such a, a change in tone, wasn't it? That one issue. Uh, and it just shows a bit of range there from Bemis and how he's going to keep us guessing because, yeah, absolutely, don't know. It could well be Ernst. Uh, he could definitely come back. Uh, he's got that extended life. Um, from what he, whatever it was that he was doing, um, and yeah, yeah, um, really good point. Uh, I'm excited to see who the Joker to this uh, to Marvel's Batman will or whatever will be. I got them mixed up. <laughs> anyway, um, Connor, would you like to take the other one? I don't, I don't want to hog all the the, the big ones. Um, oh, a bit daunting, but uh, Logan Ryan <laughs> Simmons drops a big one. Uh, I'll be honest, after reading this issue for the first time, I didn't know uh, what to think and was left somewhat unsatisfied. Upon reading a second and third time, I have to admit, the parts I love, the parts that there's parts I love, and parts just utterly fall flat with me. Some of the positives are that the art is just out of this world amazing. Moon, Mooney battling all the collective suicidal and homicidal tendencies, just a great visual representation of a metaphysical problem. Punchy peeping through those goggles is unexplainably satisfying. <laughs> I agree with this part, yeah. probably because he has no eyes. Yeah. I love the amount of Jake in this issue too. Prognard is amazing. <laughs> to top of the laugh, of course, that badass gear up panel. MK Hasbro looks like a modern age cape cowboy. Page 16 on digital. Which one's that? Hang on, let me have a look. Um, page 16. Caped up. It's like down, they come out, all the beasts come out of the control room. Yeah. Like, it's got, like, his arms up, Sailor Moon, and it's Oh, yeah, 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 very cool. Um, sadly, uh, Logan continues, I have some problems with this issue, too. Some big and some nitpicky. I know I'm probably the minor- minority in this, but I'm not a fan of the whole every MK you ever dreamed of. If it really was the sum of Mark's thoughts and whims, I would have assumed a more grim spectrum of the MK's given that he was a perk, a murderer, and is one of the darker heroes Marvel has. That's a good point. Instead, it seems like yeah. the most... Yeah, yeah, it is actually. Yeah. Most bright, colourful, and outlandish versions that can be conceived. I dig the idea, though. Appreciate the concept, uh, concept and effort. 
Also, comedy is different for everyone, so it's no biggie, but I was disappointed by the comedy. Which is disappointing, because I thought Bemis' humour in previous issues worked pretty well. I know this has been, up, been brought up before, but the characterization has been a consistent problem throughout this run, as there's little to no distinction between most of the characters, other than Maurice and Jay. I just want to jump in there um, and just say just a, a little bit back about the, the Moon Knights you've ever dreamed of. Maybe Mark's a, a big sci-fi fan, because a lot of them were very sci-fi uh, heavy, weren't they? Um you know, or alien looking. So, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe that explains why he's not he's not got the the grim spectrum of Moon Knights. Uh, he also loves Dazzler, apparently. <laughs> oh so. yes, yeah, true, yeah. true, true, true. Yep, yep. So that probably explains some of the uh, more fantastic elements of the other Moon Knights. Uh, sorry, Connor. Oh yes, yeah, sorry. Um, where was he? Oh yeah. Um, lastly, this is a small small nitpick nitpick so feel free to ignore but when the collective collective combusted who emerged jake or mark because there's two separate panels showing both of them appearing in the physical world unless some somehow he got out of mark's head that'd be interesting (laughs) that is a good point he does turn up if you look at the last few panels it doesn't make sense you see jake you see mark and you see stephen grant at some iteration or other other than maybe the depiction of mark specter as us as readers and finally, if you've actually read this far, I thank you, fellow loonies, for putting up with my back-and-forth attitudes towards this issue. Who knows, I might reread it again and regret every word I just typed. As of now, 2.5 out of 5 cake-baking moon bot. If you're confused, page 11 on digital. <laughs> P.S. Did he really say moon dart? That gives us a lot to think about, actually, stuff I hadn't thought about before. Yeah. That was a really, really well-thought-out one, Logan. So. Yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah great stuff, Logan. Um and yeah, who knows? And this is a beauty. You might reread it again. You might love it. Uh, this whole back and forth thing, it, it may be the same. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, next one I've got here from Josh Johnson, uh, one of the fellow loonies. Um, and he says, similar to Logan in, in a sense, during and immediately after reading this, I did not really enjoy it. It felt like a huge letdown from the setup in the previous issue. After a couple of minutes of soaking it in, I read through it again, and this time I enjoyed it more, but still had a meh feeling. The art is really awesome, I like the designs of all the Moon Knights, but some of the story elements I had problems with. I really like the idea of Maurice needing Mark, who has mastered juggling multiple personalities, which is true, to do uh, just that with the entire collective. But what's his end game? What's the point of getting all the personalities if we don't see them ever put to use? Honestly, you can't even call the collective uh, when we only really know the one guy of it. This arc should have gone one more issue where the collective's personalities are all balanced or whatever from absorbing Moon Knight and then we see them work together towards a goal and have Mooney stop them next issue. I did enjoy the twist in the last panel. Maybe we'll see Maurice again used a little bit better. Uh, especially if he's got some influence from Konshu. Uh, I'll use a new rating system, so I'd give this a half moon that's partially covered by clouds. Very good. Uh, <laughs> so only a bit of moonlight is shining through. Uh, yeah, again, uh, a lot of stuff that you say here, Josh, that uh, is quite thought-provoking. Uh, what do you guys do? What, what do you guys think of Maurice's Endgame? I found that quite unclear as well. I mean, let's face it, he didn't expect to become the collective that we see now as a as a blob of a form he did want to combine the thoughts of um those four other volunteers but what is his end game is that clear well he and 
that might be true that you know with the the 70 plus experiments that he goes through until finally coming across the aim mechanism mm-hmm. which by the way i did do some research Ooh, from several weeks ago and guess what i found yeah. Ooh, absolutely nothing <laughs> so as far as i know bemis is just using aim because yeah. aim is just like how agents of shield uses hydra ah, yeah. you know they you know so aim has psionic capabilities and they made some crazy thing like the cosmic cube and this enabled the collective to you know form and hey, maybe I'm wrong, and another Looney will point that out. But as far as I know, even though uh, Maurice did not intend to create the collective as we know it, which turned into this, uh, you know, antagonist, this morphing form that enveloped New York City. Uh, at the end of the day, he still embraces what it is, mm-hmm. and that's why he wants Moon Knight to come in. Which speaks to that idea that he wants to, you know, either use Moon Knight mm-hmm. or use Moon Knight and then reward Moon Knight to help heal the collective. Yeah. But ultimately, at the end, you know, does he take on Kanchu or does Kanchu uh, act as a parasite to Maurice? Mm-hmm. As we spoke before, I like the idea that there's a lot of conjecture there. Mm. Um, so yeah. I don't know. It, it may have just been also the point that yeah, he just he just got a little crazy after absorbing all this, and as he mentions at the beginning, the information input is just too much. There are infinite universes absorbed into infinite universes, so it's just a massive amount. Uh, and I agree with with Josh, um, and that's kind of yeah what I was alluding to as well. Perhaps there could have been a bit more fleshing out of the other personal original um, personalities that Maurice absorbed with. Um, to kind of understand that a bit more because they were kind of quickly kind of um, addressed. Uh, but, yeah, as you say, Tommy, it, um, if sure, basically it is more of a maybe he did, similar to Bemis, kind of improvise with it um, after the, um, yeah, after the AIM um, device happening. So, yeah. Um, Tommy, have you got that last issue, uh, comment there for a sec? Yeah, this is the stinger. Mm-hmm. The run. This is from uh, Edward Alexander. The run could have been better, and Marvel Marvel is terrible ending runs too early. Yeah, yeah, is that yeah? Uh, so yeah, I mean, again, um, talking about length of the arc. Uh, thanks, Edward. There, but yeah, for sure. I mean, some could say it too early. Some could say it um, not not invested in it at all. Um, but it's whatever you kind of really like. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you all, loonies, for for submitting some some comments and it's been really good to to look through and uh and i have to again round it out to to Konishu and and for tommy our man on the streets thank you so much for for discussing this latest issue of bemis it's been a fun discussion yeah thanks uh, thanks for joining us as always boys the fantastic three we're <laughs> smashing out another one. Oh, thanks to all the loonies for jumping back in yeah i think um you know, it was some really great discussion, and I think it added to ours a lot as well. So it wasn't just a lot of reiterating points. There's a lot. There's a lot to talk about having you guys there. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so actually, before we wrap up, I just wanted to say for oh, first and foremost, obviously, of course, Tommy, thank you so much for for being with us here uh, and to to go through this issue. Uh, it's always fun to have you on, and uh, it's always extra special when it's the the, the latest current run. So. Uh, Good to hear that everything's going well, and uh, yeah, keep on reading and uh, watching the TV shows. 
Yeah, always fun. Thank you. No worries. Um, so just for spectacle, uh, actually, we do have a new collective member. So we are part of the collective, not the one that we just covered. <laughs> uh, but would like to welcome the Cloak & Dagger podcast. Um, they are currently covering all the episodes of the Cloak & Dagger show, which is on Freeform. Um, and they've been great. So I've been in touch with them on Twitter and uh, have told them about the collective, all about kind of cross-referencing and cross-promoting each other's work. So uh, we welcome the Cloak & Dagger podcast now amongst uh, the Namor podcast, um, Adelan Rising, Inhumans, uh, Iron Fist, Ghost Rider, Moon Knight. Uh, we're all there, Defenders. So, yeah, thank you so much. Hosted by Cat and Butch, and we'll, um, we'll put the, the links in the show notes there as well. Uh, finally, for next phase, we are on our big 50th uh, episode. I cannot wait. We have some special guests, some surprises galore. Uh, it will be more of a return to the Isle of Ra format, so we'll be uh, speaking to our special guest. Can't wait to, um, yeah, to unleash this uh, into the podcast world for you guys and for the loonies. It should be a fun one, Connor. Hell, yeah. It's a big celebration for us, and we'll have, uh, I believe, many... Many a person on the show smashing it all out, so we look forward to seeing you then. Yeah, excellent. It'll be a good one. Um, and finally, Connor, where can everyone find us? They can find us. Uh, our um, page itself is uh, into the night uh, podcast.wordpress.com. That's where we post everything updates, episodes, uh, our newsletter. We have all the links to the collective there, which is a great place to get it all concise uh you can email us with any um feedback or just interest or whatever at itkmoonnight at gmail.com our facebook page uh works pretty well as a facebook page with all the updates as well at our facebook.com slash itkmoonnight and our facebook group many great people like tommy mm -hmm. and chad and all our feedback news our facebook.com slash groups slash itkmoonnight we have a twitter handle at itkmoonnight but also on instagram tumblr youtube Spotify, every good podcast catcher, and yep. uh, Google Podcasts has just dropped uh, for all you Android uh, lovers. So let me do a quick check, but we might just be on there as well. Fingers crossed we're on there, hopefully. Um, oh, are you checking real time, Connor? Oh, I'm checking real yeah, time. Yeah, let's do oh, it. Oh, we'll have to work on it. We're not there. Not there, okay. All right, that's good. That's on the to-do list. No worries. <laughs> no, wait, never mind. We are, boys. Yeah, oh, we're there. We're there. Oh, hey. We're there, yes. The, uh, the bribe to Google worked. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much, uh, Tommy, once again. You're a champ. Uh, always happy to, to chat with you. Please come on board anytime you can and you're able. Uh, enjoy the rest of the summer break. Um, yes, good, sir. Yeah. And uh, I guess as we always say, oh, Tommy, can I can I ask you to, to sign us off? Ooh, da <laughs> Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> May Kanchu watch over at the denizens of the night. Fantastic. All right, we'll uh, catch you later. Uh, thanks, everyone. Bye. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.